Hello and welcome to Move Conversations. This is your host Venkat. In this episode, we talk to VB Kasi. My co-producer Mrigank and I know Kasi for many years now. He's a fellow IFTN and a veteran commodity t- commodity trader. He had worked with Kofco Americas, Kofco Switzerland, um, Nobel Resources in Switzerland, Coke Oils, which is now part of the Wilma Group, and and so on. So, in 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 other words, he has worked with trading companies which have been managed by NRIs. He has been uh, you know those which have been managed by Europeans, Southeast Asian business groups, and uh, finally Chinese governments and so on. So now, of course, he's a uh, you know, he's an independent consultant and an advisor and so on and so forth. But so, you know, who will be a better person to talk about spotting opportunities in foreign markets and developing viable business, of, uh, you know, out of them, right? So, Kasi, welcome to the Move Conversations uh, trade stuff. Thank you, Venkat. Thank you very much. Good Our to be pleasure. here. Yeah. In, in, in today's discussion, Kasi, we thought that like, you know, we could hear from you, your experiences in Turkey, you know, some of which I was, uh, you know, uh, kind of familiar with. I thought that, uh, you know, those were very interesting experiences that you had and we thought that we should uh, hear from you. So let's begin with the, you know, start of your career journey in commodities business itself briefly, you know, how did you get started in commodities business? Because, uh, um, I know from your background, you actually you are trained as a you know masters in HR or you know uh, <laughs> social and so on. So how did you get into commodities? So I was uh, I'm an alumni of uh, uh, I've got a masters in HR from Tata Institute, which is yeah yeah one of the most respected for that particular <laughs> profession. But then I sort of realized that HR is not my cup of tea. Essentially, <laughs> I wanted to count dollars and cents, and I didn't want to count the number of people and right. figures. You know, so, Right. That's how I ended up uh, doing uh, an MBA in IAFT in international. Uh, soon after, I joined uh, G Premji, which is GP Group in uh, Bangkok, directly from the campus. So right. There was no no work experience really to speak of in India. Okay. Okay. And it's like uh, suddenly uh, in Bangkok for about two months, and then I was suddenly thrown to Egypt. And uh, Premji somehow believed in throwing people at the deep end. Uh, so <laughs> saying used to be, the saying used to be throw them at the deep end. If they know swimming, they'll come back. If they don't know, they'll try and come back. <laughs> if they still don't want to do it, they'll drown and they don't need to bother about it. So, so that was the story. So I went to Egypt on a firefighting mission to start with. I right. Almost a year. And okay. Bangkok. That's when, by then, Turkey was something that was on the cards for a while. And then uh, there was a sudden tender that was announced in Turkey. Okay. Uh, so they said, okay, this is a great opportunity and we don't have any youngsters around. I think Kasi should go. Okay. And tender for was so, for what? It was for soybean meal and a government company was tendering. Okay. That's how I ended up in Turkey. I, I mean, expecting a tender to open, not that the tender was open, but it was expected to open soon. Okay. So there was so you went prepar- in preparation. In preparation. So there's a lot of, uh, so this follows the theme of what we are trying to talk about opportunities in a way. Absolutely. So, so we, I went in, uh, I waited literally for the tender to open. I was mm-hmm. just filing my time, meeting generally people around. I had a few contacts to start with in Istanbul. Okay. And as I waited, the tender opened. Okay. And I happened to go to the Ankara in, uh, to attend the tender. So roughly and which, which years were these? 
this is a uh, 8990 oh okay okay soon after i joined basically mm. so so i ended up in ankara mm-hmm. uh, that's that's a separate story by itself how i um, did whatever i did there no uh, we, we we can hear it's turkey so you must have done watched some belly dancing and so on so so you can tell us we <laughs> hear a little bit about that <laughs> so no so the thing the, the thing was that this was a government organization if right. you know of turkish agriculture tmo is the like the stc of india okay okay and so tmo used to tender for their feed milling businesses okay uh, but suddenly they decided that they don't want to do this anymore mm-hmm. passed it off to the feed mill division okay. so that you take care of yourself now okay so they had the baby but they didn't know how to go about taking care of the baby so, so even within turkey just to get clarification the business was in under transition under from one entity to another but like kind of still within you know from government to government linked something like that that's right so they they just handed them a contract a draft contract that they used to buy normally and they said okay you these are the terms and conditions go ahead and buy so i landed up at their office literally at the time they they announced the tender and next day was the tender so i landed at the office mm-hmm. and they showed me this contract and they said what do you think of this term what is the average dispatch what is that what is this <laughs> So yeah, they are a producer right so they're not they're so a producer used. they're not commercial people so uh, very quickly in in the space of 3 to 4 hours right. before the tender opened okay sort of befriended myself to them very very quickly because okay. i was the guy like a manna from heaven for them <laughs> <laughs> and i had not much of a difficulty in basically taking care of the tender then okay so i got the tender hmm. now now oh, like I- like there wasn't much competition no there was massive competition now okay i am premji from bangkok landing up in a place like turkey where nobody knew about premji nobody right. knew about asian companies first right. forget it so i was in ankara where nobody knew in, in any case istanbul might be a little more international but ankara right. even more it's like going to delhi instead of bombay correct correct or hanoi instead of ho chi minh city things like that so i landed there and that's how um, the competition was topfer cargill uh, bungi or whatever those three right, four guys right. big guys all three Absolutely. four guys and they uh, the tender closed we put in our price mm-hmm. and uh, half an hour later over a cup of tea they told me that you got the tender as <laughs> <laughs> was the cheapest price okay <laughs> like, so, <laughs> okay so So and then they started getting calls saying oh Kargil guy called and said what happened to the tender they said oh we gave it to some bangkok based company what is the name of this company <laughs> some gp or something he said who are these people <laughs> then he gets a call from topfer same uh, story uh, continental grain same uh, story uh, and there was i mean the market was just shaken up that day uh, they didn't know what hit them because it's their absolutely backyard yes but completely blown away and so, so these guys were absolutely like price price oriented they were you know like like they didn't bother about like uh, you know oh our old suppliers and things like that they, they were like they okay had because, because they were new they had an open mind okay that's good they didn't that's have good. any relationships to start with that's i was the first relationship that's an interesting point right absolutely yeah so i came back to istanbul and now what i said okay we got the tender you asked me to attend the tender i got you the tender now what do you want me to do is mm. it it's a new company you are in a new country we don't know how things work there okay stay on till you get the contract so it takes time government good point right off and 
So the contract got made. It took about four, five, six days. I was making calls, sitting in Istanbul again. And the contract is issued. Now I said, what do you want me to do? I faxed it to Bangkok. So right. Then they said, now we need to open the LC. Right. So let's wait. It's an interesting point, Kasi, right? That, uh, you know, especially where very often um, companies and managers forget this, that um, in times of transition of leadership in your, you know, potential buyer or seller thing, things can completely change, right? And one, okay, mm -hmm. it, it happened in your favor, but that doesn't mean that, you know, may happen, may not happen. Yeah, exactly. Right. What can happen? What can, you know, can there be complaints? Can there be follow up? Right. And whatever they're pulling the, you know, the other levers and so on. So, so, you know, till you see the money on the table, right. right. And, and, and don't leave it till you can, you know, you, you can touch it, feel it, and you're sure about it. Good. Please continue. So, so they, they, they said, okay, let's get the LC open. Mm. So now LC opening. I mm. had to speak on the phone a couple of times. They didn't know exactly all the terms and conditions. So I had to fly back to Ankara. Right. Went with them to their bank. Right. Dish Bank is, I think, if I remember, that's the name of the bank. I went with them. Mm. It's an international import-export bank kind of a thing. So I went right. with them, sat down there with the manager. We discussed everything. Sort of figured out the terms, clauses that they need to incorporate and those that they should not incorporate, at least not to <laughs> put us at a disadvantage. Right. So, sort of managed all that. Right. Uh, and finally, the LC got opened. By the time it got opened, I knew the manager, his secretary, his boss, a couple of people in the office that I could go and sit and have a coffee anytime. Right, right. In so Ankara. this was like, what, six months since you landed in Turkey? You know? No, no, no. So I went for a one-week uh, trip. I got extended by 35 days total. Okay. So in 35 days, I wrapped it up. But it so happened that in those 35 days, it coincided with Ramadan. Right. Okay. So Ramadan... I had no clue that Ramadan would be this serious. So one evening, someone told me, where are you? What are you going to do? I said, I'm, I'm here. I'm thinking of meeting some people tomorrow day after. They said, tomorrow it's shut down. Mm. Ramadan, 12 days, we are shut down. Mm. Okay. Mm. So I said, what, what do I do? He said, don't stay here. Go somewhere. Mm. So finally, I managed to hop onto a bus that was taking to Izmir. Okay. I landed up in Izmir, stayed in a hotel, roamed around the countryside. So essentially, the, uh, those days I got used, made myself uh, as comfortable as possible with Turkey, their culture, their food, their habits, you know, meeting people, whatever. So that's the time I used. And I came back while waiting for the letter of credit to be opened. I went to the, the Chamber of Commerce in Istanbul, picked up a booklet from there, that had a list of all the big companies, all the big trading houses of Turkey, plus all the big manufacturing companies. So I started calling one by one, meeting them. I had a set of brochures with me, 30, 40 of them. That's used to be a standard practice. We go wherever yep. we go to a new market, take the brochures. So every Just place drop that, by, yeah. meet someone, hand over this, introduce yourself. So by the time I finished the trip, probably 20, 30 companies knew about Premji. Right. Firstly, because of the tender and secondly, because of my introductions. So this was like just introducing yourself to the companies, uh, you know, and to, 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 you know, what are the, op what, and get to know <laughs> them. And uh, it's not even that like, there were no specific, you know, uh, business opportunities to look for and so on. But this is like preparing the soil, preparing the ground that you start looking around the country. 
who are the people over there and you know who are the big companies we should get to know and you know make some introductions and let them know and you had a good good reason to say that right like hey we are the ones who the new kids on the block we want to attend uh, and correct so i used that uh, trump card of course i said okay we got the government tender that's mm-hmm. one positive to start with mm-hmm. and obviously these are international trade houses for turkey so it's right. not like they are looking at only one stuff they are also into multiple things right and i'm coming with a brochure that had multiple things correct so it sort of fit, fitted each other pretty well at that point in time so these were a bunch of trading companies in and and in 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 turkey itself so what kind of products and you know or commodities you know what about uh, caught your attention when you are you know sort of talking what kind of like a sense right uh, as you and i have been you know um, traders and uh, so we 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 have you know and especially those days when it was like the all these countries were very d- data poor right um, you know we had lot of yeah. uh, antennae out to sense like you know what's what's going on in this country what products are working and things like that so what were what were your senses about the kind of commodities and the products that you know you could get from there or sell to there and when you talk to these people or look at a talk to the uh, chamber of commerce and so on and so forth what was your sense so 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 the i picked up also some of the booklets from the chamber of commerce apart from the uh, the one that had the names and things like that what is turkish economy all about right because that's that's important mm. what is import what is export from turkey mm. then within that i started figuring out try to see what matches our profile in bangkok right so that told me that cement clinker construction material steel um, and when you're looking at importing you have to look at of course all the animal feed raw materials to start with like soybean meal and other meal exporting given soybean uh, sun meal things like that out of turkey because turkey is a big producer of sunflower Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, as also pulses pulses Beans, right yes, chickpeas and lentils and yeah another big okay. big ticket right yeah. so so those are those are the things that like like got a sense of that and uh, so which were the ones which you started to explore possibilities in 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 more specific uh, yeah so basically details. soon after the trip i came back to bangkok okay uh, i came back to bangkok after the 35 day trip and uh, but then a decision was taken within a month looking at the success and the kind of uh, feedback i was giving mm-hmm. the company decided that we'll open an office in turkey oh okay right. cool so that's so a couple of months down the road and i went into more preparation mm-hmm. uh, and ready to meet the lawyer and you know set up a bank account things right. like that uh, so that's how i ended up back in istanbul after a couple of months uh, and so it so happened that when i landed in istanbul it was not looking like a completely alien city to me because i have seen most of the streets by then right walked around probably a lot of the streets uh, so that's when i um, maybe second or third day after landing back in turkey mm. i had a fax machine you know okay something that the company insisted Right. I mean, yeah, I remember we used to have the same because those were the modes of communication, absolutely, at the time. I mean, yeah, exactly. go ahead. So I landed, uh, fixed, set up my little office and uh, everything, and then I got a mail from um, a fax message, essentially, from a steel trader on the second or third day that I landed, saying that, uh, hey, I want to know what is the price for steel for so-and-so quantity and so-and-so shipment. you had already told them that like steel is a possible item out of turkey yeah, right i mean yeah. they i gave a report you know, yeah. 
trip report essentially. Right, right. So this guy sent sends it to me. I think he was not sure whether I would actually give him something or not, but he just sent it to me. Right. Right. He was kuch to, doing. Kuch to kaam karate. Let 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 let's get this boy. You know, <laughs> do some running around anyway. He's going to sit and wait for things to happen. So <laughs> let's let's keep him busy. So because <laughs> I knew the trade houses already by then, good. And I had a contact point already. I opened my booklet. Right. Called five, four or five guys. All are trading houses. Right. And within the day, I had two offers. Okay. Which I passed on to Bangkok, and the next day. I got another two or three, so I had four or five offers in the space of a day that I got the inquiry. So the second day, when I sent the rest of the offer, the guy called me from Bangkok, the steel trader. Mm. He asked me, "Are you drunk?" <laughs> <laughs> Ramadan bhi khatam ho gaya, kya barosa? Like we, you know, even the Eid is and Ramadan is over. Like, what do we know? You know, what's this guy doing there? <laughs> so, so I said, "What do you mean?" Uh, He said, "Do you know something?" That price probably doesn't exist. Whatever you are sending, <laughs> <laughs> so I said, "Why is that so?" <laughs> so basically, if I recall, it was somewhere in the region of around two seventy to two seventy-five. Okay, four five companies that sent. Mm. So it's not like they one, were all at on on par, roughly on, within the range. Exactly, exactly. Mm. So it's not like a two fifty and three hundred kind of prices. Mm. So I was more and more confident that I'm. It's something seriously, firmly there on the ground. Right. So this guy calls and then says, "Okay, if what if I tell you that we want to really buy a cargo? Hmm. Then do you think we can actually get this cargo? Because hmm. so how was it? How different was it? Because for for you know for your for your colleague, senior colleague to doubt it. So if these guys were at two seventy, like <clears throat> it was roughly where were they? Three hundred? Were they three fifty? What was it? So that's when he told me that." Brazilian price, which is the nearest, and that was what uh, people were buying in Brazil, Bangkok at that point in time, was three hundred and forty dollars cop. Okay, my guess. And a longer distance. Yeah. And a longer distance. That voyage yeah. time is longer. Yeah, absolutely. Rate you know, is higher. Right. So that's that's when I struck me that you know this is a winner, basically. <laughs> yeah. But but the biggest problem was credibility. That Turkey was not known in Bangkok too. Mm-hmm. I am the sole guy who's talking about Turkey. This is good. This is positive. Istanbul looks good. It's beautiful. I can see the Bosphorus Straits from my apartment. It's a beautiful city to mm. start with, mm. right? So, I was trying to convince, and uh, they they had a lot of doubts initially, and I kept telling them that okay. Then I said, what do you need here? Exactly. Tell me, tell me what you need, and I'll get you the information. Exactly. What what evidence do you need to trust, right? For this to be true, so they said, "Send us a draft contract." Okay. Okay, sent. And they said, "Is this really ASTM standard or not?" Uh-huh. Okay. And I go. Now I had no clue by then. I'm not an engineer. I'm not a steel guy. But right. What is ASTM? So and we didn't have Google to go and look for it. Exactly. Exactly. Our times, right? Those days. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I just, I just went uh, to a bookshop and found some English books. Pulled out something on metallurgy to find. Yeah. Something on metallurgy, and actually read through what is ASTM standard all about in in steel. So did all yeah. So basically did all that, and they were so in about three or four days time we actually signed the first contract with a company called Dilair in Turkey mm-hmm. for the two hundred and seventy dollars. We negotiated. We came down by another couple of dollars, 
Finally, it was sealed. FOB mm. contract from Turkey. Mm. Now starts the game. Because quick question: If you could get, uh, you know, um, so many trading companies offering it, you didn't want to venture out and check out the steel uh, manufacturer himself, or you're more comfortable? Why were you more comfortable with the trading companies? Okay, that is a subject by itself. Simply because Turkey, if you remember, has always had massive inflation. Right now, the first time when I landed in Istanbul streets and walked around. When I looked at the bank counters, you know there is a board yep. outside, a display board. Uh, so when I saw rates of eight percent, nine percent, and seven and a half percent, whatever different different durations, now I thought it's like any other country. Annual rates eight percent, seven and a half is not a problem. But then a second, third day, I realized this is all per month. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> now I know. Having done Africa business, I'm, I'm I'm quite familiar with what you're talking. But like like it's mind-boggling when we hear that right first time out of uh, India into these countries, right? Exactly. So the problem was that it's a high high inflation economy. Right. So working capital is always a problem for the manufacturers. So the trading houses had the credit lines, and they were in turn providing the liquidity. Correct. Okay. So that there is there was no point in going to a manufacturer because he wouldn't know how to go about it. Right. So their production was in turn going to the trade houses, who in turn were selling, importing, and exporting. So that's how we ended up with this contract. And then Bangkok kept coming back every second, third day, saying, "Now maybe they won't actually have this cargo." Hmm. So I said, "Okay, but let's wait till they produce, right?" We hmm. they said, "We'll we'll have the production and we'll." I said I need to go and inspect. Mm. So after a month or so, I went with them to inspect the cargo in Iskenderun, which is mm. the other corner of Turkey, to their uh, steel mills, which mm. is the government steel mill. We mm. ended up there. They showed me. They took me around. The general manager of the factory was there to take me around. We went around in a car or jeep, whatever, and then they kept showing some bundles, and then these are yours. Mm. I said, How do I know these are mine? Exactly. So they said, "Okay, let's get down." And we went. There were tags on it showing GP Group, mm. Bangkok, and all all the details that we wanted, ASTM yeah. standards. And now what? Mm. I came back and said, "The cargo is ready. Now what mm. do you want?" So mm. They said, "Okay, now we'll send a ship." Mm. But then the shipping guys kept coming back saying that most likely they may not actually load the ship. What happens if there is a damage? Mm. Who will pay for this? You know. So it's like step by step building the trust. in bangkok so finally that's interesting right we all often talk about doing that with our business partners right building the trust what i'm hearing in the interesting from from your description of your experience then is that you had to build trust with your headquarters Absolutely. more than more than your 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 suppliers right Uh, and 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 headquarters questions were very legitimate very genuine because we have all had uh, like like you know our fingers have been all been burned right we all had to after every shake hands we had to count our fingers in many countries right so yeah. so this is a fascinating experience where you know the the performance is good from the vendor and uh, the the and that itself adds more doubts you know on the on the headquarters side interesting experience yeah the reason was that turkey was known as a pulses supplier mostly okay. they never went beyond that into industrial goods as far as asia was concerned correct 
Correct. You know, India knew Turkey as a pulse supplier, and nobody else traded with Turkey at that time. So the impressions were only of all the defaults that happened in Turkey because of pulses. But the industrial side of Turkey is as European as you can get. Correct. Absolutely. And that's what I realized while I was there that these guys are professionals. Mm. I mean, when you talk to people across the spectrum, across so many different companies, you can feel their professionalism. It's not that they're learning point. Yeah. Right. So, so that's how we got the ship. Finally, we loaded the ship and there were lots of, uh, of course, hiccups in the way uh, Bangkok was worried and I was not that worried. I had to get worried looking at <laughs> Bangkok. <laughs> so, <laughs> so finally we did uh, manage to ship the cargo out and the very first ship uh, that got shipped out, um, by then those guys were thinking of selling it off in the market before on high seas essentially and sell it off. The moment mm. it is loaded, you know, it's you got it. Yeah. Uh, but then when it got shipped and when they saw that everything was all right and the prices are shooting up in Bangkok, they said, mm. now we don't sell it. We'll take it into a warehouse, a yard. And then we'll sell X yard. Maybe it's it's it, uh, worthwhile to point out, right? This was the era of construction boom in Thailand as well as rest of Southeast Asia, right? Absolutely. This is the you know, pre-Asian economic crisis. I mean, nobody had even thought about it. It's all about the era of uh, Asian tigers and construction booms and so on and so forth, right? True. A lot of uh, towers in Bangkok were not existing at that point in time. Exactly. Still not there fully. Exactly. So that's how uh, I think the first shipment itself hit a million dollars in those days. Because of the price and arbitrage and the market opportunities in, in market Thailand. Market opportunities right? and, yeah, so that they could sell X yard instead of selling it outright uh, on high seas. And so then we continued thereafter with almost five, six, seven shipments. And I went around spreading the business to different companies so that it's not like one guy takes me for a ride all or the eggs in the basket in the same basket and so on yeah and absolutely so it was a great experience we could end up probably with 80 100000 tons of steel coming out of turkey before the world woke up in bangkok and said oh turkey seems to be a great origin <laughs> and the qualities and everything was good right obviously you were able to get so much more and subsequently they they they, they were good good producers good quality and so on and so actually forth. what happened the third shipment or the fourth shipment i went to a totally different guy that i never spoke to he's mm. not a trader and he's a producer mm. this time it's a producer and mm. i was cultivating him already for a couple of days couple of weeks mm. and i was talking to him Turns out that he supplied uh, almost the best steel that Bangkok has ever seen wow. in their life. It was British standard, he said. He, they don't do ASTM, they said BS standard only. And that cargo came out to be the best cargo and they had a fantastic run on that quality. So, awesome. so it sort of improved as we went along and it was a great experience. So, so much so that I learned a hell of a lot about steel business ultimately you know, right. because i started becoming like an expert on steel virtue <laughs> yeah, metal yeah. bulletin i could read and understand well, well, yeah absolutely right they they, they look as, as there's a saying in south india right if 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 somebody kills thousand people stabs or he is half a dog surgeon Right, because I guess so, so, so you know, so right. you know, you had enough stabs at uh, you know st steel exports that uh, you knew enough about the steel yeah. trading. Kasi, let's let's change gear. Uh, you know, um, this is a fascinating story about steel. 
But, uh, you know, I remember, you know, uh, G. Prem G. and company of that era. It was also, you know, not only construction boom and so on, but it was also the times of AIDS epidemic. And there were like huge global demands for uh, latex gloves and other latex products and so on. And I, if my memory serves me right, your company had, uh, uh, I think, quite a large production facility in, 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 in Thailand and so on. So did they ask you to explore latex products and so on in, 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 in that market? Yeah, so that, that brings us to another fascinating adventure. In terms okay. Okay, <laughs> so so I had a colleague of mine who is also from IAFT. Right. So we joined at the same time, but then he went to the industrial division production. Okay. So he happened to be uh, now we had a latex division, and that latex division started with liquid latex in drums and exporting like this. Then went into making gloves because it was AIDS. Uh, yeah. No, exactly. AIDS exactly. issues were in those days. Exactly. Uh, and as an extension, finally, they ended up with condoms. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. So they made condoms and eventually some run runoffs as rubber bands and things like this. Yeah. Yeah. So out of the blue, this guy called me one day and uh, while, because he knew about the success story of uh, steel. Steel, right. I mean, steel like became a legend, legendary story in Bangkok. By <laughs> yeah. So, so they, he called and he said that, uh, you know, uh, how about looking at you know, condoms, we are coming, the, the, the production line is about to start in a big way. Trials are finished and how about looking at something in Turkey? Hmm. I said, do you know what what is Turkey and what is the population like and what are the demographics here? He said, oh. so I said, you see, 99% Muslim and there is not much of a concept of family planning and things like that here. So what do you want to do? Mm. You're you're barking up the wrong tree here. Mm. <laughs> so mm. he said, you know, whatever, okay, you can keep it at, at the back of your mind and see if you can find something. So I, I just ignored actually that part, thinking that nothing is really going to happen. Mm. I, it just disappeared from my mind for quite some time. But one of those days, because I was also by then doing some cement and clinker, and okay. I went another supplier of mine is the biggest uh, group actually like a tata in uh, in turkey. turkey yeah so i went for a meeting with those guys after we had a shipment uh, so it was on the third floor of a building and i went and uh, for some reason the this is not coach right it's the, coach. the other company was it coach coach coach, yeah. coach, coach. Yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 so i started uh, coming down after the meeting from the third floor i went down to the second and as i was going round the stairs I saw a board on the side saying something to the effect of Turkish uh, Association of uh, Planned Parenthood or something. <laughs> okay. So I, as I went down the steps, I came back, retraced my steps up and then I looked at it. I said, he said something about condoms. Here is something that probably is sounding like that. So why not look at it? So I went back up to the guy and said, hey, do you know these guys? He said, I don't know them, but... We smoked downstairs sometimes, the general manager there and I said, okay, introduce me. So he came down, introduced and he left. So while talking to that guy, I asked him, so you say you are planned parenthood. What does it mean? He said, we distribute condoms as a social cause, mm. social welfare and all that. So it's so like a him. voluntary organization or a government linked NGO or some, something like that, possibly, right? Yeah, because right. they're talking about planned parenthood. Okay. So I said, okay, so how about uh, telling me more about this? Who gives you these condoms? Mm. 
So then he said, it's a, it's a company, this is a pharmaceutical company and they do it, uh, give it to us for free and mm. we distribute it. Mm. We're just propagating it. I said, so who's this company and give me the details. Can I speak to them? He said, okay, here is the name and number. Mm. Now that turns out till then I had never heard of this company at all, mm. you know, which is completely out of my purview, really pharmaceuticals and whatever. Mm. Uh, so first time I came across the name Ejaji Bashi, okay. which is the, it turns out to be the, the biggest pharmaceutical company of Turkey and with licenses from almost every major pharmaceutical company in the world to produce whatever their medicines, their uh, drugs in Turkey. So I called this number and, uh, and there is a Hanam attached to the name. Hanam is essentially in Turkey is a lady, mm. madam, madam something. Mm. So I was hesitant to call a madam to talk about condoms, really. <laughs> but but I, I just took the chance and the secretary picked up and placed the call to the Hanam, the lady. And I was not sure what to expect, actually, but I just, and she spoke in good English, uh, maybe American or British educated. And I explained to her saying that we have a plant, we are coming up for production. Now, how do I go about, uh, you know, I see that you are supplying it to the uh, association for Planned Parenthood. Uh, how do we participate in all this? So she said, uh, well, you have come at the right time. Mm -hmm. We have a tender coming up in a week or two weeks or whatever. And so you could participate in that, but you need to pre-qualify. I said, right. okay, fine. What do I need to do to pre-qualify? Mm -hmm. She said, okay, you need to send all your technical details and, you know, a whole lot of, we need to analyze everything, review it, and then we'll first tell you whether you are qualified or not. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Your production facility, a whole lot of things. So then I called this guy in Bangkok and said, okay, what do I, send me whatever you have. And literally in the next three hours, he broke my fax machine, mm -hmm. sending some 75, 80 pages of literature. Yeah, yeah, the whole, the whole, whole spec sheets and brochures and everything, the PDF documents would have come through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was the first time in my life I realized there is so much science and technology behind condoms. Right. Because, because I couldn't just pass it off. I had to at least look at what he sent, understand, you know, uh, how to test, how, what is this, that, whatever, all the technical parameters. Um, so I did all that and gave it went across and gave it handed over the whole file to the the office there so kasi you uh, you know gave them all the specifications you received by fax and so on so did they also ask for samples no they didn't uh, they didn't ask for samples at that point in time i think uh, they probably looking at the kind of voluminous documentation that we provided them it looked pretty thorough actually to me okay uh, not that I was an expert on that, but at least from the way it looked, uh, it was pretty thorough. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, when you're operating in new markets like this, uh, you're not selling only the company, you're actually selling yourself and your personality and hey, the perception. Exactly, right. They, they, they trust you. You have to build that credibility, right? Right. Yeah. So whatever be it, at least that lady, um, I must say, has been a fantastically... A great person because she has taken a chance on someone that she doesn't know actually. Correct. So, and the company, no, the walk-in supplier, right? Walk-in supplier, absolutely. And for a manufactured item and that too, very sensitive, health-related. 
so oh, oh the the consequences of things going wrong in this product are too much <laughs> exactly <laughs> the implications are just too much yeah 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 <laughs> planned parenthood would be unplanned parenthood right and and they will have to answer to so many people along the line right but okay. having said that it was mostly unplanned so it was not a big risk that they were taking probably <laughs> so yeah so the that got approved and i got a call after a week or so saying that uh, and she herself came on the line and said uh, mr kasi uh, you are approved as a supplier Maybe. now you can participate in the tender but be aware that we have to make sure the quality is absolutely top class and it will be in our brand name we'll provide mm. the details and all that but uh, you know make sure your shipping your quality your logistics your handling of the whole thing everything so has to be top basically she asked for performance guarantee from kasi okay <laughs> although there was for, for, for which one <laughs> although there was no financial performance guarantee that's a big thing really yeah, yeah, yeah. so to me to me in a way that was a major uh, high actually uh, even at that point because i'm in a completely foreign country who knows me really as a, just a guy who is 27 something at that time and they had no clue who this guy is so anyway so that happened and then finally the tender yeah, yeah, yeah. high is understandable i mean you know given the given the products you are trading in now <laughs> <laughs> so then that, that's when we i called the guys in bangkok and they said uh, and they don't know who is ajaj bashi obviously right i had to pump them up saying that you know make sure this is really really the top class mm. stuff that we do Mm-hmm. uh because this company is like virtually is the best bet that you could get anywhere in the world hmm. now you have to reverse the pressure on <laughs> on on bangkok for for justifiable reasons right exactly so anyway they got the message uh, the tender date came and we, they sent me an offer and i had no clue obviously what that offer really means because i had no <laughs> clue to check on the prices whether we are competitive or not yeah yeah it's not i right. just passed mm-hmm. it along and uh and it was like a 3 4 day validity uh, so after 3 or 4 days i get a call from the lady again and then she says mr kasi we got the tender mm-hmm. congratulations mm. it was absolute high of course but <laughs> but then i did not know actually what we did i mean the numbers came i passed it on and i got the result so i called bangkok at that point mm-hmm. and called this guy and said that uh, okay now we got the tender and he was completely speechless for a while there was mm. no news from his side <laughs> no, i didn't no i was wondering whether the guy got shocked and he actually got it and he is not ready uh. or, or he is in pleasure really so uh. anyway when he spoke he said it's absolutely fantastic and all that and he said uh, kasi but do you know what you did said uh, I, i don't know what what do you what <laughs> happened now? he said you sold 40% of our annual production one shot gone <laughs> <laughs> what a what a start right <laughs> what a start so uh, anyway so i said okay now now that the basic stuff is all done and the business is in place uh, please get someone you know his boss who's the vice president or whatever i said please ask him to come along and i'll introduce and now i get back to my normal trading work other stuff that i'm doing so he turned up we got the introductions done and i left him to take care of the rest of the stuff um and so i just forgot about this condom business completely mm-hmm. 
But after three or four months, I get a call again from this lady. Uh, secretary calls and then so and so wants to call you. So I call, she call, comes on the phone. And, uh, and then suddenly I uh, ask. So I was in the meantime frightened, worried. As to, <laughs> has something gone wrong? Maybe. Yeah. The- why? Why are they remembering me? Right? They should be calling the the. You know, I've already introduced the vice president, senior vice president. They should be the ones. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, when things go wrong, that's when they remember us, right? <laughs> and I was wondering, should I, shouldn't I have done some homework in the meantime, call them to say what is happening, shipment and this and that. I had no clue what she was going to ask. And then right. she came on the line. She didn't sound menacing. She didn't sound <laughs> threatening. She was very pleasant. And she said, uh, okay, Mr. Kasi, how are you placed next week on so-and-so date? I said, well, I'm here. So what's the thing? <laughs> She said, you should come to our office. I said, yeah, but what is the agenda like? And I'm still worried now. I got a few handcuffs for you. <laughs> <laughs> Am I going to get arrested? Or... <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? So then she said, no, we are having um, an ad campaign. For okay. Condoms for the first time in Turkey. And mm. Kasi the model? <laughs> so we want you to come along and uh, you know attend that uh, presentation mm. so i said but you know i'm not really uh, an ad guy or something to be able to tell you what so she said no no it's okay come along mm. you are a part of this whole uh, campaign anyway wonderful. so we want you to be around you are the supplier and we want you to be around wonderful so i did go back the next week and it was like a nice uh, in their little theater that they have in the office, yeah. uh, a nice high tea. And I remember, I can't remember the name of this company, but it was one of the top companies, you know, Ogilvy, Matheson, that type of, and whatever, that, that type of a company, but uh, very high profile. So they showed an ad which ran for 20 seconds or whatever, and maybe seven, 10 times actually. And uh, everybody had a little notebook to make some notes and give them some comments at the end of this whole thing. Uh, so everybody finished and then I said, anyway, I'm here as a visitor. I don't care. You know, I don't need to probably say anything. And then she says, no, Mr. Kasi, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> so I said, I gave some feedback by then. I had some thoughts already. So I said, it looks a bit too much in the face or whatever, those sort of things, because I happen to have friends, Turkish friends already. So I said, probably the men may not take it so nicely, you know, got to tone it down. Whatever. So Anyway, that done, job done, I came back and I forgot about the condoms again. Mm-hmm. But three months down the road, when I was watching the TV prime time, eight o'clock, the same ad appears on the TV. And wow. they, brand, they branded it as okay at that time. Mm-hmm. That turned up and with some modifications too. So they so did uh, tone it down. <laughs> plus, there were probably other ideas and suggestions too. So they did all that. And this was an absolute, absolute high for me, really, because I said, True. I'm not a marketing guy, really. So it. Come on, you know, with your, with your, your uh, IFT MBA, come on, don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I mean, uh, our, our name to fame is, uh, you know, is we are international marketers. So let's face it. No, absolutely. So I do agree that um, when you're in international business, you're not any more a finance guy or a marketing guy or a trading guy or whatever, you're all rolled into one and you're wearing different caps at that point. 
and marketing is significant in international marketing and international uh, business how far off they are actually right especially exactly. especially when you are the company's representative in a foreign market so so absolutely absolutely yeah, yeah. so that that uh, to me was a very very pleasant and very you know one of the highlights of my career in a way because it's so far away from what i was doing most of the time Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nothing to do with my commodity trading background, really. After right, right, right. Did did they call you back for another meeting or another <laughs> visit or something like that? No, no? I left. I left Turkey after that. Right. Soon after. But still, an honor, right? To to feel that, like you know, to be called back to you know to get a first hand feedback of the uh, ad campaign and so on, and they they and uh, for the head of that. Uh, company to say you know or, or that uh, product division to say that like you are very much part of the journey so we want your inputs and so on so it's, it's, it's such an such an honor such a um, fascinating story right no so t- uh, to me turkey has always been a sweet spot actually because i have had such fantastic memories of the place in terms of business as well as people and the experiences that i've had Mm. So overall, mm. a great journey in Turkey. In Turkey, right? Fascinating. So, so give our viewers and uh, you know listeners some take-home points on spotting opportunities in you know new uh, foreign markets, right? Um, so, I would say if you look back, what I told, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of it was preparation that was done. Although right. I. Did not know exactly what the preparation was all about. Yes, I just correct. prepared myself. Correct. correct, correct. So I was reading this book of Zig Ziglar. Yep, yep. Zigzagler. Zigzagler. Yep, yep. Zigzagler. Yep. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so we, all, we all read that. Yeah. Remember, remember, he says, uh, preparation when it meets opportunity that is called success. Exactly. Right? So. And also, is like 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 scouts be always be prepared, right? Kind of a principle, right? Right. So I, I remember that very well, even beyond that. So it's basically that whether you like it or not, you're preparing it. Somehow you got to be preparing something. You have a vision, you have an idea. And then when that opportunity of a board like that, uh, you know, Planned Parenthood look appears in front of you, you it, it strikes you immediately. Yeah, exactly. You, you, you are prepared. The flag goes up right immediately. Exactly. So that's, I think, something that uh, to me is very, very important in international business, as in any other business too. But uh, and the other thing that I always think about is that uh, you definitely need a lot of perspiration in business. Mm-hmm. But I think along with that, you need uh, um, definitely uh, persistence, right, and perseverance. Right. That means there will be odds stacked up against you. Your idea is this, but yeah, there'll be a lot of opposition coming at you, or a lot of objections coming at you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, you yourself could be objecting. Like I could have said, condoms is not my business, or steel is not my exactly, business. Probably. Exactly. Right? So, so you know uh, what? When when you when you say that, it occurs to me that um, maybe if I can add to the points, the the very good ones that you said uh, that an you know international business person or international marketer should have in a new market. Uh, would also be curiosity, right? 
when you said that uh, preparation will you know for uh, you know when it meets an opportunity right for for that opportunity for you to spot that opportunity you need to have that curiosity and open mindedness right like which you just now said that like you shouldn't be the filter which says hey, this is not mine this is not mine and then if you have that running list of this is not mine you you get into a tunnel vision and you only see maybe you know just soya bean meal or whatever it is right like just 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 one product right or uh, at the most you go broaden it to pulses and things like that so so uh, do, you, do you think uh, that's a that's a additional thing which is essential for these people and especially those who are sort of moving out of their com narrow commodity specialization and they have to represent the company um, for a general trading kind of a thing right no i think curiosity is <clears throat> almost a given you have to have that to succeed in life really because otherwise you're not to me uh, you got to be a lifelong learner and for that you need to be first curious and you ask questions so i i love this phrase also saying that you you learn first but you got to unlearn and then relearn i think this is lifetime uh, experience really that you you might have learned i mean what is the relevance of uh, an mba that you did 25 30 years ago today nothing Right. Uh, you you because you built over it over so many years different experiences have more you know modeled you along right. modified you modeled you in a way right. so i think curiosity to me is definitely right up there right so curiosity helps you to sort of like you know uh, preparations curiosity curiosity helps you spot an opportunity but still um, as we say in 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 strategy without execution you know uh, you know Uh, nothing uh, uh, you know no no plan is is of any use so how do you you know what are the important things that you would suggest for people to remember to convert an opportunity into a viable business and you know and develop it i think once you <clears throat> spot the opportunity and you think there is a reasonable chance that you can do something about it mm -hmm. you have to create a plan of action really uh, you've mm -hmm. got to write it down maybe it's very um, Uh, rough to start with uh, but keep keep working on it at every opportunity because uh, to me my boss uh, much later in noble used to tell me that you know you need to have three four ideas in your mind all the time okay and at at different stages mm -hmm. you water them every day oh okay That's every day so you know the, you might move something just by 1 degree something by 10 degrees right but then they'll also come at different points in time for your career so but that will help you to grow because you got to keep growing ideas always mm -hmm. that's your job and mm -hmm. ideas and nurture them like he says right mm -hmm. and keep nurturing them and at a point of time you'll say this plan is now ready for execution you i don't need to wait any longer and then put it out write up a proper uh, note or memo or report and then look for then how to go about really selling that idea and then executing it right right fascinating discussion kasi we can go on on this but like like great learning takeaways fascinating stories from from you know uh steel to condom right and uh, <laughs> and and then how to spot opportunities how to you know um convert them into businesses and so on um wonderful talking to you and i think we will definitely uh, call you back we will definitely have you know uh, get to know about uh, other experiences that you had on in in maybe other geographies um, other businesses ups and downs uh, we could we could discuss them at at different times uh, thank you so much thank you very much venkat yep enjoyed yep. 
Thank you. Thank you for joining us in yet another episode of Move Conversations. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe to the Move Conversations YouTube channel and press the bell icon to get notifications of new episodes. Thank you very much. Till I see you in the next episode. Thank you very much. Have a great day.